chapter twelve of lady jim of curzon street this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. lady jim of curzon street by fergus hume chapter twelve leah welcomed the new year at firmingham with the fervent hope that its bounty would bestow the insurance money and rid her of an official husband it really seemed as though providence or the fetish was in a benign mood for jim caught the worst of colds while skating being confined to an undesired bed and fed with food tasteless to a cultivated palate he lost both flesh and temper demetrius talked gravely of weak lungs and hinted at inherited consumption the duke was anxious but scarcely surprised and recalled similar cases of a grandmother two ancestors and a rackety uncle lady jim encouraged these pulmonary recollections for obvious reasons she and demetrius winked privately at one another like the celebrated augurs when they heard the old man's lamentations nature was acting strictly on the lines of the russian's proposed medicine and there was no need to dose jim into a sickly likeness of garth day by day he grew as white-faced as haggard and as lean until he became alarmed at the anxiety of providence to forward the schemes of himself and leah but there was no end to the kindness of an overruling fate jim's illness afforded his wife the opportunity of posing as a sister of mercy and she fussed round the patient so ostentatiously that the duke was quite touched he began to think that leah was a true ministering angel and not the money-wasting doll he had considered her to be jim grinned as leah measured medicine and fed him with gruel and read him interesting bits from the sporting journals i believe i'm going to get well he chuckled why so dear asked his wife who was profuse of adjectives in private so that they might slip out the more easily in public you look so uncommon dismal it is necessary to keep up appearances leah assured him besides this will be the last chance of my doing anything for you in future lola will soothe your weary pillow after which and similar passages of arms jim would curse himself to sleep and wake up to accuse his wife of wishing to poison him this fortunate illness kept lady jim at firmingham when the house-party disintegrated but as the duke was a twaddling old ass and jim the most trying of patients leah looked upon her ten days boredom as a kind of lenten penance besides she had frequent confabulations with demetrius to settle details of the plot already the doctor had explained to the duke that garth would die easier in the tropics and funchal had been selected as the most agreeable place for his demise and then asked lady jim your husband must go to jamaica to wait events what events those which i propose to bring about retorted demetrius who had his reasons for not explaining himself too fully leah did not question him closely with a selfish regard for her own safety in case anything might leak out she preferred that the doctor should arrange matters in his own way 
but she obeyed instructions to the extent of hinting to the duke that kingston was the very best place for dear jim's weak lungs will you go with him asked pentland anxiously oh no said lady jim sweetly we mustn't make too much fuss over him else he'll think he's going to die he might sighed the duke i had an uncle and he described the sufferings of old lord george for the tenth time leah comforted him after the manner of one bildad a shuite oh kingston will do jim no end of good my dear duke it won't cure one lung but it may patch up the other and then you know if he gets worse i can always reach him in fourteen days does demetrius think he will die asked the duke piteously he doesn't think poor jim will ever be so strong as he was said leah gravely but he'll hang on with care just like my grandmother muttered the duke and then detailed the sufferings of a dowager duchess who couldn't be kept alive beyond the age of sixty if jim lives till that age i shall be content said leah are you thinking of the insurance money demanded pentland with sudden anger what insurance money oh yes i think jim did mention something about an insurance he gets it if he lives till sixty really i don't quite understand duke but i'm sure it's all right i hope so my dear has he made his will no why should he because in the event of his dying the insurance money should be left to you no will means trouble leah had never thought of a will as it seemed natural that the money should come to her without the necessity of paying lawyers bills but her quick brain seized the chance of smoothing the way to acquiring the fortune with as little trouble as possible and she promptly cornered the duke you speak to him she suggested and this the duke did with the result that a will leaving the money to leah was drawn up and signed after some opposition by jim he did not at all relish the carrying out of this necessary step it was too like preparing a death certificate to please jim however as a reward for his obedience demetrius set him on his legs and jim went to torquay with the devoted leah but when he was settled in a comfortable hotel as an interesting invalid and with a superfluity of pretty girls to soothe him with sympathy lady jim left him for a round of visits to various country houses now that the duke was out of sight jim's connubial comforts were out of mind but leah left strict injunctions that he was not to put on flesh within the month she was to see him start for jamaica and impressed upon him the necessity of looking quite ready to depart for a place where jim had no desire to go i don't see why you want to make a holy show of me grumbled jim we must make your death appear as plausible as possible but i don't want to look like a livin skeleton oh i don't think that lola will mind said leah cruelly and started out to enjoy herself in the best of spirits while at lord sargon's seat in shropshire she met askew in the company of the fixture the young man's betrothed was extremely like a dairy-maid and her frock set lady jim's teeth on edge if she could combine colours that did not match she always did so and her character was as colourless as her wardrobe was gaudy marjorie was the creature's name and her conversation was the papa mamma of a squeaking doll 
how much are you paying for her asked leah after satisfying herself that the young lady was really a woman five thousand a year replied the lieutenant sulkily what a bargain don't laugh at me he implored you know there is but one woman in the world for me so you told me lola what's her name some one nearer and dearer than her he murmured with what the americans call goo-goo eyes whereat lady jim laughed and allowed him to fetch and carry and sit on his hind legs and bark prettily like a well-trained lap-dog it amused her and kept him on tenterhooks the only annoying thing was that marjorie seemed to care little for this annexation of her lover she much preferred a fox-hunting squire who talked stables and glowered on askew for not appreciating the dairymaid in this capture of another woman's man leah combined pleasure with business she did not wish to spoil jim's little game with the spanish lady and it would never do for askew to detail mr baring's past in a quarter where such betrayal would lead to trouble by this time the amorous sailor was the slave of beauty so lady jim was sufficiently mistress of his will to limit his correspondence this she did one evening after dinner while admiring marjorie's new frock yellow and green murmured leah when she and askew filled up a corner and watched frantic people playing bridge poached egg on spinach if you design her gowns mr askew i should advise a less lavish use of primary colours she means well he muttered apologetically people who need excuses for existing always do retorted lady jim but she is really a sweetly simple girl with two ideas neither of which includes you my dear boy i am sure you will be very happy together doing cake-walks doing cake-walks that sort of dress always makes me think of south carolina and the old kentucky home you know they invented cake-walks there i believe but i forgot you prefer places below the equator i never think of south america he protested of course not the jewel is more attractive than the casket when did you last hear from senorita fajardo i never had a letter from her in my life she is cautious it seems are you i don't write to her if that is what you mean i did love her what a polite thing to say to me but i don't any longer you see i thought that bearing your there's nothing in that said lady jim quickly there never really was and if you really love this estancia lady why not marry her i am engaged already to me or to that pretty vivacious girl over there as marjorie was looking particularly like a wooden dutch doll at the moment askew reddened i wish you wouldn't say these things lady jim lady james lady james then marjorie can't help herself it seems to me she has to that intelligent young man with the face like a sheep and the manners of a costermonger they were boy and girl together and are still from the infantile look of them i quite expect to see their nurse arrive you know it won't do said leah gravely here i am making fun of marjorie and you aren't man enough to stand up for her the young man coloured still deeper and mumbled something about a woman's privilege shortly he made a lame excuse and left leah to devote himself to marjorie who was not grateful for the attention leah did not mind she had learned that askew did not correspond with lola fajardo and had no intention of doing so therefore there was little likelihood that jim's fettered past would ever become known at the estancia 
san iago being really a good-natured woman with her affections thoroughly under control leah half decided to loosen her apron-strings and let askew lead his bargain to the altar but this she did not do for two obtrusive reasons firstly the fox-hunting squire and marjorie were made for one another and secondly it would be just as well to keep the sailor under her eye for the next year she did not wish him to hark back to lima for melodramatic purposes after a very pleasant visit thanks to askew's infatuation lady jim returned to curzon street there she found a letter from demetrius announcing that he and garth had sailed from madeira early in the previous week and that it would be as well if lord james kames journeyed forthwith to jamaica leah promptly sent an answer to her accomplice at funchal a telegram to jim a paragraph to a society paper and a lengthy letter of sorrowful forebodings to the duke then she sat down to wait events and meanwhile considered the situation pentland was all right thanks to her cajoling before she left firmingham he had arranged to free the income to pay the debts and to allow her to occupy the curzon street house until such time as jamaica should kill or cure jim that interesting invalid had gone halves over the cheque and leah's purse still contained over fifty pounds which would do for the present but she intended to get a few hundreds from the duke by playing off jim's sickly looks and her own lonely condition of grass widowhood it was really very satisfactory and she found it hard to look miserable as in duty bound when pentland arrived to see the last of jim leah arranged that the parting between father and son should be in town she did not want to have a bereaved father bothering at southampton the journey back to town after jim's dispatch would be boring at the best and her consolatory powers were not great you look disgustingly fit said leah when jim was established on the drawing-room sofa with a rug and a few unnecessary medicine bottles and other sick-room paraphernalia sorry i can't be more of a corpse growled the invalid but it's not easy to pretend you're a goner when ye feel fit to jump over the moon try and cough louder suggested his wife shan't it hurts my throat hang it i've lost three stone i believe you want me dead in real earnest lady jim thought for a moment no i don't she said truly enough you haven't treated me over well and i should have been a different woman had you been a different man divorce court lingo said jim remembering what she had said at firmingham and with a derisive laugh all the same i hope you'll have a good time in south america why not in jamaica because you've got to be thoroughly sick there demetrius will come along later with garth's corpse and oh drop it what about the money my share i'll get the cash as soon as you are sent home me what for ain't i going to disappear of course said leah impatiently but demetrius has to embalm your body and bring you home to the family vault i say don't cried jim uneasily that's the other johnny you're talking about leah he looked round cautiously i hope demetrius won't polish off that poor fellow he's a sort of relative of mine you know don't worry your head said lady jim calmly garth's dying as fast as he can he may be dead by this time for all we know and don't think that i would allow demetrius to be so wicked she cried with virtuous indignation i'm not a criminal 
oh lord was all jim could find to say as he thought of what they were doing and conversation ended for the time being leah went to the theatre and supper at the savoy that evening leaving jim to practise coughing amongst the useless medicine bottles next day both pentland and his eldest son arrived at eleven and were informed by a sad-faced wife that her dear husband would travel to southampton by the afternoon train at the sight of leah's dismal looks and attentive care frith expressed his opinion that women were protean never thought you cared so much for jim he said bluntly oh i don't for a moment say that i think jim is a good man was leah's artistic reply and we've had our tiffs like other married people but jim's my husband after all and he has his good points what are they lady jim was not prepared with a catalogue of her husband's perfections oh i don't know she muttered vaguely he drinks in moderation you know that's something there's no virtue in resisting a non-existent temptation said the marquis grimly jim doesn't come of a drinking family of a consumptive one i believe retorted leah softly frith was nettled at the implied slight not at all he said with unusual gruffness look at me but that poor garth oh he i don't understand and if you frith coloured as he met her derisive eyes and devoted himself to his brother lady jim left the affectionate trio together lengthening out their farewells and retired laughing to her room it was really amusing to think that jim who was as healthy as a trout in a pond should be wept over and coddled and pitied and generally elevated to a sainthood the business was serious enough no doubt but leah could not help seeing the humorous side she felt unequal to keeping a grave face while the comedy in the drawing-room was being played and therefore did not rejoin her husband till the principal comedians had departed we are a couple of rotters said jim gloomily when she appeared speak for yourself my dear she retorted coolly well and what did they say never you mind you'd only snigger over a father taking leave of his dying son oh i did not know that the duke had seen harold garth leah cried her husband fiercely you're a never mind whatever you are i'm another did the duke leave a cheque for me asked leah more business-like than sympathetic jim banged about among the medicine bottles five hundred dear man cried his wife snatching the cheque from his very reluctant hand i must go and dress for the journey won't you kiss me leah quavered jim really moved and quite forgetting the rascally plot in which she was taking so prominent a part at the door she turned with an expression of withering scorn keep your kisses for your wife mr baring cried this too previous widow and left him to digest the insult at his leisure End of chapter twelve